98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Ben Che. The top stories. Hong Kong's teenage suicide rate hits a record high, rising to 1.7 per 100,000 in 2021 from 0.9 in 2019. Authorities warn that the local air pollution level is expected to reach a serious level today. They have urged the public to avoid outdoor activities if possible. And health officials say there are signs that local COVID cases are going down. A researcher at the University of Hong Kong has warned that the city's teenage suicide rate has hit a record high last year. Among those aged under 15, the suicide rate rose to 1.7 per 100,000, up from 0.9 in 2019. Professor Paul Yip from the Center for Suicide Research and Prevention said the rise had to do with school closures in response to the pandemic. During the COVID itself, due to the school closure, it actually it reduced the opportunities, I mean, for the school children to build up the bondage, I mean, within the school, with their fellow students, and also with the teachers as well. And also for those people from the more deprived and vulnerable group, due to the school closure as well, I think it also created a lot of family conflicts within their families. Authorities have urged members of the public, especially children, the elderly and those with underlying illnesses, to refrain from outdoor activities, saying the local air pollution level is expected to reach the serious level today. The Environmental Protection Department said fine and hot weather, coupled with light northerly winds, have made it difficult for pollutants to disperse. It warned that the high pollution levels are expected to persist for a couple more days. Health officials say there are signs that local COVID cases are going down as they reported 9,033 new infections yesterday, including 129 imported cases. But Dr. Chuan Shokwan from the Center for Health Protection said officials need to monitor the numbers for longer. In the past few days, the caseload seems to have come down a bit. Signs of a decrease in the total tally, but we still need to see over longer period of time how things go because there are two factors at stake BA.5 variant whether it has peaked now it made up 60 point something percent of the total cases and um, we'll see whether the percentage will rise again and also after the holiday will there be a rebound in the number of cases we won't know till a few days later about 2,700 COVID patients are currently being treated in public hospitals, where 12 are in intensive care. 11 more patients with COVID have died. Turning overseas, President Volodymyr Zelensky has accused Russia of causing extensive blackouts in eastern Ukraine, with total outages in the Kharkiv and Donetsk regions and partial ones elsewhere. He said Moscow had attacked critical civilian infrastructure to try to deprive people of heat and light. Ukraine has made sweeping territorial advances in recent days. In his nightly address, Mr. Zelensky praised his soldiers. Today, everyone sees and notes your actions in the north, south and east of Ukraine. The world is impressed. The enemy is panicking. Ukraine is proud of you, believes in you, prays for you and is waiting for you. The path to victory is a difficult one, but we are sure you are capable of it. The mayor of Izium, a strategic East Ukrainian city held by Russia since March, says all of its residents should be able to return in about 10 days' time now that Ukrainian forces have recaptured it. 
Valery Marchenko said two-thirds of Izium's population had fled the city, but that most wanted to back, and that and that work and that work was still ongoing to flush out hiding Russian soldiers. Our army is in Izium, and the Ukrainian flag is flying again. It is calm there. The military are in the process of clearing the city and the city territory. They are searching for the enemy army's soldiers who are hiding in the private apartments and the houses of city residents. If the Ukrainian army finds them, they will kick them out. Then we will start searching for collaborators. And on to the weather. Mainly fine. It'll be very hot and dry again today with some haze, a top temperature of about 34 degrees and light to moderate northerly winds. Looking ahead, it'll be much the same as today, dry and very hot through the rest of the week. Currently, it's 33 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity is standing at 50%. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. President Biden has urged Americans to stand up for democracy every single day, not just once a year, as he commemorated the 21st anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Mr. Biden said the indomitable spirit of the United States of America had never wavered, and the memory of the victims would always shine bright. I hope we'll remember that in the midst of these dark days, we dug deep, we cared for each other, and we came together. You know, we regained the light by reaching out to one another and finding something all too rare, a true sense of national unity. To me, that's the greatest lesson of September 11. More than 3,000 people died in 2001 when al-Qaeda militants hijacked planes to destroy the Twin Towers in New York and hit the Pentagon in Washington. Sweden's main centre-right politician, Ulf Christensen, says he's ready to build a new government after Sunday's general election results showed his coalition inching towards victory. With tallies in from 93% of electoral districts, they have a wafer-thin lead over the centre-left coalition of Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson. Mr Christensen addressed members of his moderate party. The final result must be determined. If we then have the parliamentary prerequisites, I will gather my political forces to work together. I will be extremely humble about this task, but I stand ready to do everything I can to create a new, stable and effective government for the whole of Sweden. His rival, Ms. Andersson, says the count is too close to call. A far-right party now allied with Mr. Christensen's group, the Sweden Democrats, has made big gains. The coffin of Queen Elizabeth has arrived in Edinburgh, where thousands of mourners filled the streets. It had set off six hours earlier from the late monarch's home at Balmoral Castle in the Scottish Highlands, where she died on Thursday. The coffin will remain in Edinburgh until Tuesday, before being flown to London for the state funeral on the 19th of September. Scotland's Deputy First Minister is John Swinney. There's been a huge amount of work done around the country to make sure that all of the planning's in place at Balmoral, in Ballater, in Aberdeen, Dundee and here in the city of Edinburgh to make sure that as many people as possible can be involved in paying their respects. But then specifically in Edinburgh on Monday and Tuesday when Edinburgh will be very much the centre of the, the tributes. Campaigners in Jamaica say they are increasingly confident that the death of Queen Elizabeth marks the end of an era and that the island will soon become a republic. The BBC's Will Grant reports. 
Later this week, a condolence book for Queen Elizabeth will be opened to the public in Kingston, and many of those who met her on one of her several visits to the island are expected to sign. However, a growing number of Jamaicans see her death as marking the end of an era for the island too. Recent polls suggest more than half of the population supports becoming a republic. Earlier this year, Prince William visited the island for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and was told by the country's Prime Minister, Andrew Holness, that Jamaica was moving on as a country. The lights that make the Eiffel Tower in Paris glimmer at night will be turned off more than an hour earlier to save energy. The authorities are expected to announce on Tuesday that the Eiffel Tower lighting that lights the structure will be turned off at 11.45 p.m. when the final visitors leave. The nighttime lighting of the Eiffel Tower amounts to some 4% of its annual consumption, and the move is seen as a way of setting an example for the reduction of illumination in the city. To sports now, the Spanish teenage tennis star Carlos Alcaraz has won his first Grand Slam title, beating Norway's Kasper Ruud in four sets to win the U.S. Open at Flushing Medals. It was the 19-year-old's first Grand Slam final appearance. As the BBC's Charles Havlin reports, Alcaraz's victory means he breaks a new record. On achieving victory, Carlos Alcaraz fell to his back, cupped his hands to his face and then leapt up to embrace his Norwegian opponent, Kasper Rud. The modest teenage player from Murcia is the youngest Grand Slam winner since his fellow Spaniard, Rafa Nadal, won the French Open in 2005. On Monday, Alcaraz becomes the new world number one, the youngest player ever to top the men's global tennis rankings. The disappointed finalist, Rud, isn't doing too badly. He is now world number two. And a quick look at the weather before we go again. It's 33 degrees Celsius to relative humidity, 50%. And that's the news from RTHK. Thanks, Ben. Good afternoon. This is the Holiday Brew Through Tell 2 with James Ross.
Oye mi canto. Gloria Estefan and Oye mi canto from 1989. Gonna talk to Neil Runciman, our editor at large, in Ho Chi Minh City, in a short while about gold in Vietnam. a beautiful house with a beautiful wife 